Attention, please, attention, please. This here feels like the whole entire world collapsed. PHL-TV, Channel 17, Philadelphia, your Phillies playoff station. By inside. We're changing the game. By Tasty Cake. All the good things wrapped up in one. By the U.S. Postal Service and Binks Hoagie. Now to the field for exciting Phillies action. Inside. Season Preview Extravaganza. are high and inside and it is the season preview bonanza what what the philadelphia phillies are starting out this 2019 season it's going to be a fucking banger chris jones what's cooking in your world well we are finally here we are previewing the season because it is a week away and i can't fucking wait oh dude this goddamn lineup, they gave you a taste of it the other day. Mm-hmm. Harper two homers, Ooh. McCutcheon homers, Ooh. which it was an absolute bomb. bomb. Real Muto homers Ooh. on a ball that it didn't even look like he he put any effort into no, the swing. No, he really just and it just gone. went uh, right over the center field mm. uh, fence. It's uh, it just gave you a taste of what we we are gonna fucking be seeing on a nightly basis this year. No more fucking bullshit. No more <laughs> Peter Borges. No more fucking ah. Uh, the names escape me because. They're bad. Cameron Rupp. I had to see his dumbass on second base pinch running in spring training the other day. He he came to bat and whiffed terribly. It, it gave me non-flashbacks. Just yeah. immediately just like wanted to cower. Mm-hmm. So I'm just happy to be previewing a good team. Oh, it's just so And they much are going to be good. And, and today you are going to hear a lot of different things. It's going to be a two-part season preview. This week we're going to have some interviews. We might hit the mailbag. We're going to do a little bit of everything. And then next week, we're going to have some more interviews. And I'm talking, we got some good interviews. So you stay tuned and listen to what your boys at High and Inside have in store. How did these idiots get so lucky? Part one. What do you say we interview you? Uh, all right. Yes, that's a uh, sometimes useful exercise. Please put your hand down. Go ahead. How much money do you make a year before taxes? Okay, I'm actually not comfortable answering that. Come on! We're doing the interview now, not you. Okay, here's a shot out of a cannon. Gritty, the fanatic, Franklin Dog. You gotta f*** one, marry one, kill one. Go! I think we're done here. Thank you. Uh-oh. <laughs> Todd and I are total BFF best friends forever. He and I came up together as salesmen. One time we were out and we met this set of twins and Hi, 
And inside, we are here and we welcome MLB.com Phillies reporter Todd Zalecki. Todd, thank you so much for doing this. No problem. Happy to do it, guys. So now you had a pretty interesting offseason, and that's kind of what we were really curious about in that there was so much mislead, false information, bad information, outright fake information, and you kind of stayed the paragon of virtue, delivering nothing but facts. And we were curious, how hard was that? It it, it can be hard because I guess, you know, you can be tempted to maybe take a kernel of information and, you know, think to yourself that you have something interesting. But I'll be honest, um, I, I think, you know, myself and, and Jim Salisbury over at NBC Philly and Matt Gelb from The Athletic and Matt Breen from The Inquirer, like, I think we all did a pretty good job of, of not, yes, yeah, throwing a lot of kind of rumors out there, innuendo out there, and just really kind of, you know, being very conservative in what we reported because, yeah, you're right. There was a lot of, a lot of just craziness that was out there that, you know, the Phillies were only offering Machado this or they were only offering Harper that. I mean, and I heard a lot of these things and I just chose not to report them because I didn't really know what was true. And you know, like even that final week of the uh, final week of the Harper sweepstakes, I had somebody tell me that I know for a fact that. You know, the Phillies haven't offered anything more than $220 million to Harper, and uh, which was which was not true. Now, I could have put it out there and caused a big stir, and people could have retweeted me, and, you know, the report could have been put out on, you know, WIP and MLB Network and ESPN and whatnot, but, you know, it's just not, it's just not worth it to me, you know what I mean? Sure. So, Todd, uh, I personally thank you for not doing that, actually, because for my yeah, mental health. Yeah, so I, <laughs> You know, uh, John Heyman got the the big scoop. You know, he had the, the Harper news first, uh, but you know everybody else was pretty much within the next five minutes. So I was going to say Heyman that? also came at that from a different angle, as I think Scott Boris actually was holding his phone when yeah. he did it. Close to it. You know, but, but I would just rather be the guy, and I think you know the other, the other local beat guys feel the same way that we would just rather be, even if we're not first. That you know, if, you know, if like Jim Salisbury put something out there that. It's like ninety nine point nine percent accurate. You know what exactly. I mean? Or and I, I hope people feel the same way about me. And, oh, truly? Yeah, know, definitely. Think, yeah, and I think other people feel the same way about Gelb and Breen and, and the other Philly speed writers that are out there. That you know, um, if, if we're if we're putting something out there, you know, hopefully it, it carries carries some weight. And I know people go crazy, and you know they, you know, they're like, why? You know, what's the latest? What's the latest? And um, Sometimes it's just hard to put stuff out there. And I'll give you another example. Wednesday night, you know, Harper, the deal was agreed upon on Thursday afternoon. Wednesday night, I started hearing that was when the giant stuff started picking up. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I, I, I heard that things were kind of going south and things are going bad. But uh, I, I kind of wrote, I just said, like, hey, you know, the giants have, have emerged as a legitimate threat and things might be looking a little bit differently now. But I never came out and said, like, oh, this is not going to happen. This is not going to happen. Now, that following morning, Thursday morning, I went on WIP, and somebody asked me, uh, I think it was Angelo, said, hey, you know, what do you think is going to happen? I said, "I said, well, right now, I, I kind of think he's going to go with the Giants, you know, based on kind of what's been going on. Sure. And, uh, and it, that, that, was, that was accurate at the time. Now, I didn't write that. You know, I didn't, I didn't tweet it because – this is more just a conversation on the radio, but um, 
then like literally within like two hours, I started hearing like uh, things might be picking up again. And so I go on the radio in the morning. It was just funny. I go on the radio in the morning and I, I say, I think he's going to sign with the Giants. And then a few hours later, you know, things pick back up. But at least I felt good in the fact that interviews that Middleton have had, uh, has done, Boris has done, Matt Klintak has done, they all pretty much thought that that deal was pretty much dead on Wednesday night. And then things kind of picked back up on, on late Thursday morning. And, so, and you know, it, it's just kind of crazy. Yeah, and you were really diligent, too, because when you did that radio thing, I remember I had a bunch of people start adding me on Twitter, like, Zalecki said this, Zalecki said that. And then I added you, and you corrected it almost immediately. And, uh, you know, made sure, no, that's not how I said it. Because by the time it got to Twitter, from the radio to Twitter, it was something completely Oh, yeah, different. he was already in the Giants. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, yeah, and that's, and that's kind of a dangerous thing, you know. And that's why I try to really be careful in, in what I say, and definitely in terms of what I rep- report and, uh, and and tweet, just because, you know, you don't want people to get the wrong idea. So I was like, no, listen, I didn't say he's going to the Giants. I didn't say, say he's definitely, definitely not going to sound this I said, you know, right now, just based on what I'm hearing, you know, that you know, it, it, it's kind of my feeling at the time. You know, I, I honestly I can't even remember exactly what I said, but I just I, I do remember that people were like started freaking about what I said on WIP. I'm like, listen, everybody, let's relax. You know, he's not going yet. Things can change, and that's the other thing about this stuff too is it changes fast. Can change so yeah, things can change so fast. You know, it's like these these moment to moment tweets from people about you know. Uh, Bryce Harper's rounding third in negotiations and a deal's imminent. And it was like a week and a half before <laughs> anything ever got done. And, you know, it's just, it's just kind of craziness. Well, that kind of takes me to my next question. And how how much pressure do you feel to really get in on this? Because you see everybody just throwing nonsense against the wall and you know, some of it's thick, some of it doesn't, but it must amp up the pressure on everyone else that's reporting to just kind of jump in the game. Well, you know what? I think that some people do feel pressure, but you know, fortunately, you know, MLB.com, we're not, you know, obviously they want us to break news and, and advance the story whenever possible, but they also, you know, they want us to be as accurate as possible. So, um, I think they would, if, if, if throughout the off season, if I took every little piece of information that I heard and just threw it out there, whether you know, it was accurate or not, I think eventually my boss would be like, "Listen, like, what are you doing here?" And I, and I think, but I think also like just like uh, as reporters, I think you know the, the local guys. Not that we don't feel pressure because we do feel a lot of pressure. You definitely want to be first on the story. You definitely want to be accurate. You definitely want to have something that other people don't. You know, there is a really fierce competition between all of us. Sure. But I also think that you know we do we we you know we definitely truly value like being accurate and. Um, and just accurate with our information, so I don't, I, I don't feel pressure in the sense of, you know, I, oh my gosh, this this guy just told me that the Phillies haven't offered anything more than two twenty to Bryce. I really want to put this out there, you know, I, I don't feel that pressure, but I do feel pressure of, you know, just trying to stay up on top of stuff as, as much as I humanly can. Well, and that's the beauty of what, like you said earlier, our Philadelphia reporters really have an emphasis on getting things right, not on how immediate the news is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like I said earlier, you know, John Heyman broke the story, and I'd have to look at the timestamps and all the tweets. But oh, whatever. Yeah, I think Salisbury, yeah, Salisbury, myself, Breen, Gelb, you know, Megan Montemoro, and, and everybody, everybody had it within like minutes. You know, and that's how this thing kind of happens. Everybody tries to keep it a secret, you know, and then, yeah. but then once the cat's out of the bag, 
people go, yeah, okay, that's you know that that's accurate. You know, you, know, you talk to your specific sources, whoever they may be, and they might, you know, they'll hopefully they'll they'll, they'll confirm the information for you because they know once it's out there, it's out there. It's like why why try to keep it a secret at this point? So yeah, you, you know. If you get beat on the story nowadays, it's not as big of a deal. I remember when I first started at the Inquirer in 03 covering the Phillies, you know, it was a, you know, if you got beat on a story, like the internet had kind of just started in a sense. And if you got beat on a story, you pretty much got beat the entire day and you couldn't really respond until the next day. Now, if you get beat on a story, it's like, you're, you know, you're beat for like 15 minutes. <laughs> Who really cares, you know? It doesn't really matter anymore. And Todd, do you miss the heyday when people put effort into fooling others with rumors like Ken Rosenthal? And now it's just like anybody with 20 followers getting like 1,000 retweets. Well, you know, what's funny is though, people are so hard up for, for information this year that, you know, who was that guy, Jeff Evans, that fake, oh, oh, yeah. Jeff Evans, remember yeah. him? You know, Jeff Evans, there was that Las Vegas gambling account, which they actually have, I think they have like 20-some thousand followers. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, there's Vegas like the fake, Steam, there's a whole bunch of them, it's insane. Yeah, like Jeff, like the Jeff Evans thing. I actually had friends texting me, going, "Hey, what's up with this?" And I'm like, "This guy is not real." <laughs> the radio <laughs> station he's wasn't even real. For, he's a Phillies insider for KTV. Like, you're from Philly, you know? There's no <laughs> KTV, you know? And then it says on his bio, like the author of Inside the Business of Baseball. It's like all you have to do is a quick Google search and find out there is no book by that title, <laughs> yeah. and, it, and it's and it's garbage, but. You know, that's the type of stuff you get, you know, all of a sudden you'd be sitting at dinner or trying to go out and do some shopping or something, and then, you know, you, you see, like, this crazy tweet from somebody, and next thing you know, it's all over the internet, and you're going, I guess I have to check in on this, you know? Which kind of makes the job tough at times. Can you give me any type of insight for when the Patrick Corbin thing happened? I kind of just want to know Salisbury's response, because he seemed to be eating it up. <laughs> He seemed to be what? He seemed to be eating it up that I happened to be the one to post that picture. <laughs> and I, I was the last person who thought that something like that would happen. But Salisbury was, was really ragging on me the next few days. It was great. I actually thought, I, I thought dude, we were kind of more, I don't know, I don't think any of us were really bothered by it or, or, or whatever. I think we were having more fun with it. Like, I just <laughs> thought it was great that, you know, you can't keep anything a secret nowadays. Like, to me, I thought the, the best reaction was from the Phillies. They're like, well, you know. I think they kind of thought that they would be able to keep a Patrick Corbin on the Fanavision scoreboard thing a secret when nope. you can see it from the street and the highway. <laughs> yeah, right. There are game day, you know, there are game day employees walking through and just Phillies employees walking through. And, you know, it's just so hard to keep things a secret now. Um, but that was, yeah, that, that was it kind of just builds to the, the kind of the craziness of the offseason. You know, it's like nobody knew Patrick Corbin in town until you tweeted out that photo of him on the scoreboard. And it's like, all hell breaks loose and, you know, then you have people talking up going, oh, you know, maybe we shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Todd, we can't thank you enough for coming on with us and shedding a little light on what the off season was like from an insider perspective. And once again, everybody go to MLB.com and get all your Phillies reports from Todd Zalecki at Todd Zalecki on Twitter. And thank you very much, my man. We really appreciate all the hard work you put in and coming and chatting with us. Thanks, Todd. Yeah, no problem, guys. Anytime. We were thinking of mean things for you to say to Chris, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I don't, you know, it's no big deal. Uh, yeah, no, I'm happy to do it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, the, uh, the Corbin photo definitely uh, made, made my day busy. I, I, I remember I was out shopping, I think, and I was like, shit, I got to go home now. <laughs> I am you know personally I mean? sorry for that, Todd. That is my bad. No, that's all right. That's all right. Yeah, I mean, hey, keep, if you can keep that source uh, sending. 
any information, you know, feel free to put it out there. I'm going to hop in that deer blind. Well, if you've listened yeah, to our podcast, it's not exactly about breaking information. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, nevertheless, it was, uh, it was, you know, it should be a fun, uh, should be a fun season. Well, hopefully. thank you, buddy. Thanks we again, really Todd. appreciate it. You're the man. Yeah, no problem, guys. Anytime. Todd, this is... Pain and Sight. How did you get on the radio? What do you mean? How did I get on the radio? I created the universe. In we are here at the season preview festival of life aks sitting in my basement continue and we are now kind of looking toward the full season of baseball in 2019 and thinking of prop bets and how guys are going to play this year and what the end results are going to be so we got a bunch of different things maybe ones that you're not quite thinking of in front of us all right how many times in the 2019 season Will Harper, Hoskins, and Real Muto go back to back to back? The over-under is one and a half. Over. S- over. So you think at least twice this year I they're going to... I think gonna it's going to d- happen twice. Man, I, I'm going to go under. That's just such a rare thing to happen. Back to back to back. No, you, that no. means they're going to hit that same way all year. You're going to see a theme here coming from me with these over-unders. So. <laughs> Everything's great and is happening all the time. Yeah, let's, let's go to the next one. <laughs> all right. Aaron Nola. 15 strikeout game, one half. Will he have a 15K game? I think he'll have one. You really think so? And I think he'll have a complete game this year. And that's not me being a homer. I think both those things will happen. Well, and that's another question that I was going to have is complete games for Nola. So you really think he's going to – so that means he's going to throw a lot of innings. Leash is off. Yeah. Well, he's going to eclipse 200 again. Okay. I think he's hitting close to 220 this year. Oh, wow. Okay. So I think the leash is off. The dude now went a full 200-inning season. It's just the let him go. Yeah. Kapler's going to be very mindful to not fuck with him after, you know, what happened last year, obviously. With pulling him and being all over the place. Yeah, like he is going to let Nola just go. He's going to work. And the dude, you know, most times he's at like, he'll have one inning where he, where it just kind of gets a little bit out of control with foul balls usually. Yeah. But for the most part, the dude is always around 90 pitches, like going into like the eighth. It's No, his control really is lovely. He's the type of pitcher that... I see him turning into the type who he's going to be closing a lot of games himself. Wow, that's saying a lot because there are no starting pitchers in baseball anymore that close games. No, they're not. And uh, I mean, literally none. I don't. They, I mean, Scherzer maybe. Scherzer probably. Yeah, I'm not sure if anybody else had a ton of complete games. That's what I'm last saying. Year. I mean, it's usually yeah. ground ball pitchers. Yeah. But Nola is a mixture of a ground ball pitcher and a strikeout pitcher. He does have the juice, no question. All right. So sticking with uh, Phillies pitching, ERA, Nick Pavetta. Over under 3.0. I'm just smiling right now. I know. Yes, he is. So you know I'm what assuming, I'm assuming. Yeah, we don't even have to think. That's about an under. It. That's an easy under. See, I don't necessarily know about that because even if he's his ERA is like three three. Did you see his last start in spring? I did, and it was I know, wonderful. I know it's spring. But I'm, I'm but not uh, look, and, and he, he could have a great year at three three. That's what I'm saying. Yes, like that absolutely. could go over, and he could still win 15 games. Absolutely. That's why I said it at three because I think he's going to be elite. I think he's going to be a number two behind Nola and. Phillies think it too, because guess who's starting the second game this season? Yeah, oh no, and everybody sort of has pointed to him. All the different podcasts and reporters and previews, everybody points he's to Pavetta a popular, as the breakout. He's a popular pick for a reason. All the numbers say that he is going to break out this year. So, so okay, now we move along. How many times will Odubel Herrera get picked off on the base pass this year? Over under four. Ah, <sighs> fuck. Um... I hope under, obviously, but I'm going to go over. That's a high number, man. 
Dude, he. I, I mean, What's like the major league record for getting picked many, off in a year? How many times it was last year he did something stupid on the base pass? I, I'm going under. I think he's going to get picked off a couple times, but four is a lot, man. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt in this one. So we're, we're going in different directions. I mean, if he looks in the dugout and sees Bryce Harper. He's I, inspired. Yeah, I hope he would want to, you know, be a little bit more in the game. We're not, we're not a losing team anymore. I think no. his head will be in the game more. So but I, I got to stick with the over just because he's got to show me it because the dude just spaces out. Speaking of showing it to you, over under on how many times the Fanatics Generals are mentioned in this podcast in the 2019 season, over under 50. If, if the over under was infinite, I would still take over. <laughs> I can't escape the Fanatics dick. Everybody fucking I can't escape the Fanatics dick. I can't escape the fanatic's dick. I can't escape the fanatic's dick. Inside! You started this. No, I didn't. You started the gritty fanfic. The people want... And now I'm part I'm of it. I'm just here to, to give the you people what they want. You have dragged me kicking and screaming into this podcast, and it is as terrible kicking as I knew. Kicking and screaming. Kicking and screaming. And it is as terrible as I knew it would be. This podcast started because I called him on opening day last year and was like, Hey, are you going to the Phillies game? And he was like, hey, dude, do you still want to do a podcast? I was like, what? Because I, I saw that the Phillies were going to be good soon. and uh, Well, it, it wasn't last it, year. It we was, were wrong. No, we were wrong on that one. But it was time It was time to talk about a good team. And besides, who else is going to talk about the Fanatics dick? Well, it should be nobody. But here we are. We are now the, uh, the preeminent source on the Fanatics. We are. We're experts game. in the biology of the Fanatic. And I, I believe there are worse things that we could be known for. <laughs> We could have the Braves mascot. Oh, Blooper. Oh, man, I forgot about Blooper. That Blooper. was like, it feels like so long ago. Blooper is an enemy of this podcast and always will be and, from and day I, one. I think that our origin story for Blooper, that Chipper Jones went into the woods of Georgia and made sweet love to someone that he met there, and Blooper was the result. And the Braves gave it a job because they felt sorry. And that brings us to where we are today. Honor the history, live in the present. And experience the future anytime you choose as an Honor Club member. Join Honor Club today for live and on-demand access to ROH pay-per-views, on-tour events, the TV archives, and exclusive matches. Visit ROHHonorClub.com or download the ROH app to join now. Hi. And inside, we are here with a very special guest. He is the voice of Ring of Honor professional wrestling and author of the 100 Greatest Phillies of All Time. He is our pal, Ian Riccoboni. Welcome, Ian. Hey, thanks for having me. And yeah, that 100 Greatest Phillies book, man, that it did pretty well, but I think we're going to have to update it, maybe even by the end of the year. So, you know, I'm thinking Harper's going to get 600 home runs. <laughs> it could be crazy. This year, I'm, I'm thinking big things. I'm going to say, yeah, that'd be a heck of a year if we, it caused you to revise an entire book. I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a while to even even have any hope for somebody to, to crack that list, and that list gets kind of bare toward the end. It I really mean, does. Yeah, Otto Nabe is number one hundred. <laughs> really, outside of Otto Nabe, who's ever heard of him? Like outside of his family, and it's no disrespect to him, but I mean, you you got guys. You got defense first, second baseman from the, the early 1900s making the list. So I think there's a couple guys on this team that could could force me to revise the book. You know, wait, wait we, what? What number was Dave Hollins? Ooh. 
Dave Holland, I think, was a narrow miss. No, oh, how dare you? I think so. Yeah, I thought he we were friends. Of, yeah, he made a couple of the lists inside the book, um, including uh, one of the best trades he was involved in there. Uh, but yeah, I think Dave Dave might have been a narrow, narrow miss. Oh, I'm assuming you're talking about Gre- uh, Greg Maddox. Great. <laughs> well, that's actually a list that's in the book. It was uh, famous brother. Famous brothers were the siblings got the long brother. Right, so. <laughs> who was the Who was the one that Sorry. was in Moneyball that it was focused around? Oh, Jeremy Giambi. Thank yes, you, Jeremy Thank Giambi. You. It was escaping me. That oh, was... the Phillies always get the wrong guy every time. So, Ian, <laughs> here's my question. So, you started out talking about the Phillies. That was your entire life. Where was the divergence between Phillies deep cuts and now being the lead voice of a professional wrestling organization? Um, it's kind of crazy, and and I can kind of there's there was a moment where I could pinpoint kind of where where things broke off, and I had been uh, I'd come out of college and I was just blogging, and I met guys like Pat Gallen, who's on CBS three in Philly now, and Corey Seidman, and we were just interested in, in making content and kind of making our name for ourselves in broadcast, so. I come to Philly's Nation. We had a TV show in, in Allentown. Like I picked up by Comcast in Philly, and it was like 2015 when um, I'll, I'll take it back. 2013, uh, I met the Blue Meanie, who's WWE and ECW alumni. Shout out to Brian. Uh, down at the, yeah, down at the Monster Factory, and we did an interview. And I was interviewing famous Phillies fans such as Mark Summers, the host of Double Dare. Oh, yeah. oh that's uh, so good. Yeah, and, and Tony Luke, who's just a, an awesome sport, and was willing to do anything, and sent me home with legit six cheesesteaks <laughs> that night. Um, so I, I was doing that, and then I interviewed Meanie, and uh, he goes, why don't, we, why don't we do it where there's a ring? It might make for a better setting. I said, sure. So I picked him up in South Philly, and we drove over to the Monster Factory, and I, I've always loved professional wrestling ever since I was a kid, and uh, the interview was well. And I told Danny Cage, and, you know, he purchased the Monster Factory from Larry Sharp. And I said, hey, um, if my friend would ever want to do this and, and be like an interviewer, and an announcer, or a commentator, how would they go about getting involved in it? And so uh, he said, well, your friend should contact me, and here's, a, here's our dates for the rest of the year, and your friend should wear a suit. Of course there's no friend. It's just me. <laughs> it's <laughs> me. The friend is me. Yeah. It's one of those things where, like, you have this one-in-a-million dream of becoming – uh, a lead broadcaster for a television wrestling company and in 2013 there was only three in the United States there yeah. was WWE Ring of Honor and Impact so oh no it's impressive yeah oh thank you and there's only three spots so you don't really air out that kind of that's like saying that's like literally the equivalent of going into the gas station and buying a lottery ticket and being self-assured that you're going to win um, so you know I just I broke in through there, and as the show continued, uh, Pat, you know, we weaned Pat off the show, and I became one of the hosts of Civilization TV. But there was a really stark moment as I was finishing the book where I started to get some traction as the, the backup announcer for Ring of Honor, and I got some really pointed criticism. And there was this weird moment where I realized the people I'm writing about are real, and even if they never read what I had to write, it, I had this weird like guilt and just feeling in my stomach that um, despite there being objective evidence that you know Michael Martinez was literally the worst player in the history of Major League Baseball <laughs> I, it, it, there was there was some guilt 
that went with writing that, despite the fact that it was a provable thing. Sure. That there was a that yes or no outcome to his at bats and, and and his fielding and, and whatnot. So, like right right about then, um, you know, 2015 was the last year we had the show, and toward the end of the year I became the host with Corey, and it was one of those things where. I was just like, man, this is strange. You know, I'm, I'm 20, I was 28. I'm writing about mostly guys that are younger than me now and being hypercritical of them. Yeah. And it was just, I wasn't enjoying baseball as much. I, I found myself wrapped up in, in different things. And, and you can still have fun and know it on base percentages. And you can still have fun and know what, you know, batting average on balls in play is. But it was just that idea that I was so hyper-focused um, you know, writing the book and writing on Phillies Nation, being critical of everybody, that I, I kind of stopped being a fan. And so Ring of Honor was a great outlet um, and, and caused that realization. So I was able to, to kind of focus there, um, do, you know, a couple live events, do a couple TV tapings. Um, and then from there in 2017, in, in February of 2017, I became the lead announcer and it's it's crazy because all of a sudden we went from running venues where we were lucky to get you know 300 400 people to, to now we sold out Madison Square Garden on April 6th which so, is so crazy oh, I can't believe that I just heard yeah. about that and yeah god damn dude that's because that's got to be an adrenaline rush for I mean you. I used to be a huge wrestling fan and I mean we've chatted because I was I was in your position 10 years before you were as the lead announcer for a very small local wrestling organization and it's just to see you take it to that next level where I was trying to go. It's so amazing to watch. Like, I really feel like I'm part of me is succeeding with you as you go here. Yeah, thank you. And it's one of the things where, like, you just kind of trust your gut. And, you know, I, I, I realized that I, I, with Philly's Nation or with Ring of Honor that you never know if you're going to succeed or not. You never know if you get an opportunity or not. But you can guarantee yourself that you won't get an opportunity if you don't show up. Yep. And so, like, I just I made it a point to get where Ring of Honor was after I met Kevin Kelly, who's now the, the voice of New Japan. And, uh, you know, I, I just made sure to stay on his radar and made myself available to, to do anything that was needed. I mean, I started out, I was setting up chairs, I was setting up the ring, driving myself to Kalamazoo, Michigan, to Dayton, Ohio. Hold on, you were uh, in the ring crew? Get, I, pretty, more or less, I was on the ring crew, I wasn't getting paid, I was volunteering. Oh, man. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to show them that, you know, I, I cared and that I wanted to be there and, uh, you know, that I would do anything. And so, you know, I was one of the guys that just kept showing up just to try to be undeniable. And, um, and it worked. Yeah, and it led to some, yeah, it led to some pretty cool opportunities. And you know, now I've been to, to Europe a few times, and um, I had to turn down Japan earlier this year. No. And, uh, yeah, but uh, hopefully it'll, it'll come. Back I'm going to say that's got to be a dream of yours to do Japan. Absolutely, and you know, I they had New Japan had reached out uh, for me to call the Honor Rising cards in conjunction with Ring of Honor, and uh, and Kevin Kelly and I would have been reunited. At least for the uh, at least for the tour, so that was kind of disappointing. Uh, Kevin's always been a good friend and mentor, so very cool. Um, but it, yeah, it was all it was all for the right reasons that I got to got to be here for the birth of my daughter, which is more than you know any wrestling. I'd skip the garden for that. Oh, of course, dude. We know you're an unbelievable family man. I mean, congratulations on the new baby. I mean, from both of us, that's an amazing thing. Yes. Ah, uh, thank you. So now here's a question. Now you, you just said that. 
you know, you found it hard to write about individuals. You know, they're humans. That being hypercritical is a hard thing for you to do. And then you transition into the wrestling business where it's, I mean, the entire business is founded on the dirt sheets and being hypercritical of everything going on. Yeah, and that's kind of wild too. I mean, that's actually the toughest part. I mean, because you can prepare and prepare and prepare and you can go out and, and do the very best that you possibly can and you can have you can catch lightning in a bottle in terms of chemistry with your partner and you can you can call the, the event of your life and your producer will be happy and uh, you know your director will be happy and your partner will be happy and the, the wrestlers listen to it and they're happy and then the mistake is going online and looking for your name <laughs> <laughs> you, you see what everybody else thinks of it and uh, you know it's, it's fun too because you know I'm, I'm fortunate in that it feels like at least 51% or more are usually positive. But if you, if you have the, that one night where you personally feel like you missed the mark a little bit, uh, the wrong comment can certainly get under your skin and stick in your headspace for a little bit. But, um, you know, that it's easy. It gets easier to ignore them. Um, you know, once you know that, uh, that the organization you're with is committed to you, I, I re-signed with ring of honor, um, for a relatively long-term deal. Congratulations. So, Thank you, thank you. And, you know, with that, it's something where I, I know that, that they like me. I know I love being there. And uh, I know that my partners, Colt Cabana and Caprice Coleman, they're, they're into it too. So, I, really, I just have to make sure I do right by Ring of Honor and its wrestlers and its producers. So, that's, that's kind of how I, I reconcile that. Um, I've been fortunate to call some, some pretty big events. I, I called all in. And, um, you know, with that... That one was one that a lot of people saw, a lot of people talked about, and and really after a while, um, you know, I just kind of, you, know, you just kind of got to shrug it off and, and go on to the next one. It's like, you know, you, you can hit a, baseball's taught me a lot, and you can hit a home run, and you can strike out, uh, but your reaction, if you're going to be a successful baseball player, in my opinion, is to react the same to both, and you know, you can your adrenaline can can lift up a little bit either way, but just try and find that middle zone and, and try and find that zen zone where you can uh, you know you can do your best. At least that's the way I personally operate. Um, and I say this as someone who loves bat flips. I love Odubel Herrera. I love the enthusiasm he plays with. I love uh, you know the frustration with striking out and, and breaking the bats and things like that. But <laughs> for me personally, uh, knowing kind of introspectively how I how I work. Um, I try and keep the highs, the highs in the middle and the lows in the middle as well. Well, well, Ian, that's what separates you and I. You a successful person <laughs> and me a guy recording a podcast in a basement. Because I can't do that. <laughs> I do my best, but it is impossible for me. So th- that is why you are where you are today. <laughs> no. no, I mean, you, you're, you're the only man that I know that, that's been banned on multiple occasions <laughs> and... I've sought out to refollow you several times <laughs> when you disappear. You have you have found me each time, which is impressive. I really appreciate it. You're also one of the first people <laughs> yeah. I follow. I follow immediately, so yeah, it's it's it, it's a rough life, but I you know I chose it, so here we are. Hey, so here's a question I have for you. You just mentioned that you re-signed with Ring of Honor, 
And so this summer with the free agent insanity that was going on, or excuse me, this winter with the free agent insanity that was going on, what was it like being the hot free agent? I mean, I know all the sheets were speculating what you were going to do and there was a lot of talk about it. So give us an idea on the other end of being the guy where everybody know, what are you going to do next? Ian, the other Bryce Harper. <laughs> yeah, it was really weird. I have a I have a Google alert set to my name um, just for you know just for personal vanity reasons. <laughs> We've all been uh, there. But it was yeah, and it, it's so weird. It's so weird. Like when people talk about you, and then they talk about your availability, and I don't even know how sometimes the, the wrestling writers know this stuff. Um, but it was one of these things where. I had a couple goals in mind. I, I, I wanted to get the best deal for me and my family. I also wanted the best schedule, and I wanted to reconcile the idea of doing, getting paid the most for doing what I felt was a reasonable schedule. Being efficient and with your time and what, how you're handling it. Balance family and work. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've never been in this position before to be able to to do that, at least with wrestling announcing. And so... I, um, you know, there's two other organizations, WWE and AEW, that, you know, through, in different ways had reached out and kept it all within the confines of my contract and just wondering, you know, when it, when it would expire and, you know, if, if I could talk to them before I signed anything. They were all super professional and super nice. And it was one of these things where I just, I sensed an opportunity with Ring of Honor that, that doesn't come around every day. No. And... There's, there's this weird idea, and it's that Bryce Harper idea of I could go to WWE and potentially love it and, and potentially be there, but they have really talented people ahead of me. They have Vic Joseph. They have, uh, you know, they have Mauro Ranallo. The guys at that level who are super good, who I would be essentially in competition with, and maybe I could break away from that pack, or maybe I wouldn't. You know, I think the world of those guys, I think Tom Phillips is awesome. Um, I think Michael Cole is great, um, especially for what they have to do. It's kind of apples and oranges with the way we have to broadcast in terms of the media empires that they have. Sure. And so, you know, with, with that in mind, um, I started to look at if, if I was to do something and I was a wrestling fan, what would you know, what would 10 year old me want to do? And I, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't get the idea of Joey Styles out of my head. And growing up, and, and Joey Styles was a guy that for, man, almost nine years, from 93 to, to 2001, uh, into 92 maybe, uh, he was the voice of ECW. And if you watch ECW, you cannot not think of Joey Styles. And so for me, um, you know, Ring of Honor had that opportunity. And I think AEW, I think they're going to succeed. I think they uh, they got a great group of guys with the Ring of Honor locker room. There's guys like Dalton Castle, Matt Taven, Colt Cabana, uh, Cheeseburger, the Briscoes. Those are all guys that I've been around now for years who I, I think the world of. And for me, it, it's kind of a comfort in the, the devil you know versus the devil you don't. Sure. Um, I have great chemistry with my partners, but also our executive producer, um, I always feel like he's been honest and open. He's the guy that feeds me throughout the night. Uh, great chemistry with my director, Mark Brown, and he feeds me stuff throughout the night. So I feel like that relationship was there. 
And uh, I was just happy that, that Ring of Honor felt the same way and, and were able to make a pretty generous offer right out of the gate to, you know, money was, I don't think money was ever the question. I think the question for me was, where did I, where did I want to see myself? And, you know, what, what did my legacy want to look like? Which it sounds really weird, but when you're 30, like I'm 32 now, and I was told when I was 27, it was too late to start. <laughs> so now, now I can't, and I won't say who said, but who said that, but, um, you know, now I gotta, I gotta wonder, okay, now I have, a, I have two, you know, almost two and a half years in with Ring of Honor as the lead guy. Uh, if I go another three, then I'm the longest tenured announcer in Ring of Honor history. If I go longer, then that's just icing on the cake. And I think Ring of Honor is in a, in a trajectory where we've shown we're sustainable, uh, we're on a quality television product, and we're owned by a big company, and, and I don't think we're going to disappear anytime soon. So that, that's kind of what the decision was, and it's kind of the same with Bryce Harper. Like, I have a full no-trade clause. They can't trade me to do I was just going to say, Ian, what I'm getting here is you are Bryce Harper, Ring of Honor are the Phillies, and WWE is the San Francisco Giants. And that's all that, that's all there is to it. You, I'm I'm envisioning you hugging your wife and saying we're we're going to Ring of Honor, and uh, and that's it. That was that was pretty much it. We want to thank Ian for coming on, and next week on part two of the season preview extravaganza bonanza festival of life, we will have more interviews with Ian Riccoboni. Also in part two, mailbag. More guests. Bonanza. We love you, Todd. Everybody fucking jump! I can't escape the fanatics' dip. I can't escape the fanatics' dip. Penis pump. I can't escape the fanatics' dip.